Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with another uh, episode of our uh, podcast, The Ecom Show. And today I'm here with Martin uh, Cook and I'm really happy to have him here. He was, uh, oh, he was a, uh, in a few podcasts what I follow um, and I know that others uh, follow as well. Kilian Marker's podcast and Sugatan podcast, those guys were also in this podcast. So I could see Martin and what, uh, what he, he does and it sounded uh, really interesting, so I invited uh, him. Hey, Martin, how are you today? <laughs> hey, Daniel, thanks for that introduction. I'm doing great, thank you. It is later on in the day, spring and sun is happening outside. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great day so far. Yeah, am- amazing, amazing. So you do a lot of things, and uh, maybe if you could just introduce in a few, let's say, 10 seconds, uh, who you are, what you would say. Wow, uh, that, that's really, really short. I'm a serial entrepreneur who leverages the internet to sell various valuable things online in an ethical way that actually helps the world. <laughs> yeah. As well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I realized 10 seconds is maybe not enough, so I will tell more. Basically, uh, Martin started his entrepreneurial journey around uh, 14 years ago, and uh, he's an author. His, uh, his book is uh, The 1% uh, Secret, if I'm correct. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, everyone. And uh, also, he, yeah, The 1% Secret. It's not on Amazon. Uh, yeah. And um, he also built multiple uh, e-commerce businesses. And if I know well, you also sold uh, one or, or a few of them. You will tell us in the podcast. And uh, he has a successful mastermind. And uh, he also launched a software company in the past. So very uh, versatile experience and history. Very uh, interesting. So so let's jump into it. Uh, Let's start with uh, you know how, how you how you started this journey. How did you end up uh, in this you know marketing and and entrepreneurial world? <laughs> what was your motivation? Uh, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, I mean, for me, my my journey online started when I was fourteen, and uh, I learned how to build websites because there was a girl in my class who I liked, and she built websites, and I thought, wow, if I build websites, she'll like me, and we'll go out and all of that stuff. Obviously, it failed miserably in terms of getting the girl, but actually, I got pretty <laughs> good at uh, building websites and doing general graphics design. So um, that sort of love and passion that was was started that day for creating beautiful things digitally went on to creating websites and of course um the the sort of early dabbling should we say in affiliate marketing but not really doing much but um you know i I stuck with it i was building various different websites for other people to to sell things when i stumbled across various uh groups on facebook actually whereby the people in the groups were buying and selling Facebook pages. And this was back in, well, like early, right? <laughs> like really, really yeah. early. Um, I can I imagine. 
thing as newsfeed ads back then, for example. I think it was just right side ads. And um, I was like, wow, this is interesting. So for not that much money considering, you can buy Facebook pages before EdgeRank so that as long as the people who like the page are actually on Facebook, they saw whatever you posted on that page in front of them. And I saw pages growing from like naught to 170,000 in a matter of hours uh, back then. It was amazing. So I thought, wow, this, there's something in this. I don't know quite what I'm going to talk about or what I'm going to sell, but I feel like this is an asset to start acquiring. And so I started funneling all the money I was making. I had um, a digital uh, digital marketing, not a digital marketing company, sorry, a digital design company. So designing various things online for various clients around. And I was just funneling all the money I had into buying these Facebook pages. And I bought about 100 Facebook pages, all told, totaling about 20 million fans across those 100 pages, which is more than most TV shows or radio shows, right? That yeah. I get more people that I can speak to multiple times a day, every single day. And so it was really, really interesting. And I realized I have tremendous amounts of, of impressions and eyeballs and attention. And naturally, I was in a space where I was networking with other people who had massive Twitter accounts, um, and massive Facebook accounts and forums and so on. And we realized that you could drive people to websites powered by advertising and and make great money. You could, and, you, you know, we were sending 6,000 people in 30 seconds to a website. Those kind of numbers, like crashing servers, like le legitimately crashing servers. Yeah. And, it was great. But what we were doing is we were driving our traffic to other people's brands and other people's sites and other people's products. And so naturally, having the impressions, the next step for me, at least on my journey was to find, right, what can I sell that's that's mine, or I have a little bit more control over. And that's when I started getting into affiliate marketing, created some websites that suggested gifts, for example, that you could yeah. uh, then buy on Amazon. And, and I got a kickback there. And then that naturally progressed into selling t-shirts via sites like Teespring, uh, which is which is a really good halfway house, I think, between being a product owner and and uh, and an affiliate. And yeah. uh, that's really when the first taste of e-commerce uh, happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm skipping a lot of steps, of course, in there. Um, yeah. My software company had built uh, really Hootsuite before Hootsuite existed in order to be able to post to all of these 100 pages on a daily basis without going crazy um, and various other bits and bobs like that. But really, in terms of e-commerce, that was the, the journey. And after Teespring, after selling several million dollars worth of T-shirts, I think, on there, the, the natural gravitation was then to building a brand whereby the customers that I sell to become my customers. and and the, the profit, of course, most people should know this, the profit comes from the repeat selling. Often you don't make yeah. a lot of profit on the first time the customer buys from you. But if your product's great and the service you provide thrills and delights them, there's a good chance they'll come back. And, then it, and when they come back, that's way more profitable than the first time. And so building someone else's business like Teespring, whereby it was difficult necessarily to get those customers to come back and buy from me again. They would buy from someone on the platform, but not necessarily me, was was not a great long-term strategy. And so the transition at that point happened to Shopify, where I think to date I've built something like, built, scaled, and exited something like seven different brands um, on Shopify, with the most recent and current one being Nubru.com, yeah. which is a powdered nootropic supplement 
which is absolutely amazing. We have customers in 68 different countries now. We've um, and we fortified over 10 billion meals for malnourished wow. children, which I know is probably going to be a, another sec- segment of this particular interview. Yeah, I, amazing. I, I, I checked out uh, your recent brand or, you know, the last brand you founded. It's a great brand and uh, I recommend everyone uh, checking uh, uh, Nubru. Nubru? Nubru? Nubru. Yeah, Nubru. Uh, nice name. Uh, so, yeah, check out Nubru and um, enjoy the product. So let's uh, let's rewind a bit. Um, so you started with website building and you have this you know, this girl uh, back in high school or maybe even uh, elementary school. And uh, so it's very interesting to hear that back then Facebook pages uh, were a big thing. Um, Probably it was uh, way back uh, before Facebook ads and Facebook groups um, when pages still had a, uh, you know, a big engagement. And... um, I'm really curious, and after you started e-commerce uh, brands to build, and I'm really curious uh, what differences can you see between an agency and affiliate marketing, where you probably felt that you build the business of uh, somebody else versus a product company where you sell the products. Uh, what are the pros and cons of the two or three business models? Affiliate agency versus e-commerce companies. What do you think? Sure. So I think I think first off, as an affiliate, you, you sort of get trained. And, and I wasn't affiliate for very long, and I have um, affiliates in in uh, friends um, in that space. And I I would say I don't really identify as being an affiliate, and never have done. Um, I'm a lot more transparent with my brands, and I enjoy true branding, whereby where people just know what it is that you're selling and they can see your ads, that's not enough for them to compete with you because you're doing mm. brand well, right? Value in your brand. And someone can come along and rip off your entire product, ingredients and all, but they still can't compete with you except on price. And even then people will buy the quality brand, right? The the Coca-Cola mm. versus cola, right? Yeah. Um, the, the difference in brand. Now, I would say agencies, the agency model is a great model. And it's a great model uh, because it's a win-win. So for the for the startup that wants to really uh, minimize overheads and, and not hire too many people, agency and and also work with people who are highly experienced and and talented, an agency is a is a great solution for that problem. And you don't end up paying too much until you're scaling, but then it's typically a percentage of of what you're scaling to. And so you can, yeah. afford it and, and they yeah. can afford it. And, and that's great. And I, I compare agencies nowadays in the e-commerce space to kind of the people selling the tools in the gold rush era, right? Who are the people who yeah. made all the, by the way, and yeah. uh, you know, you do a good job as an agency and prove your value. You should have business for a very long time and you can charge royally for it. Um, when it's a percentage of ad spend, not profit, that's that's you know a beautiful business and a beautiful model and it works because it's a win-win. In terms of e-commerce, e-commerce is a great. I mean, that's where I position myself, right? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm an e-commerce guy. I'm a brand builder, and um, I love it because what you're doing is you're building an asset every single day. You're building an asset. Now I work in one percent incremental 
gains, right? That's how I operate my life. I don't believe that anything in life really is one big hit, double your money, big lever, anything like that. I believe that success in life comes from the compound effect of many, many, many great decisions or good decisions, right? You don't get fat by eating a burger. You get fat by eating a burger every day for 30 days, right? And beyond. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. little things all compounding together. And and the opposite is true. So for for brand building, I enjoy the fact that you can on a daily basis build a profitable business that you know satisfies your lifestyle. You can with a certain amount of planning and emphasis on what interests you, what you're passionate about, where you want your brand to go, you can point that brand and that product in a direction that truly excites you and truly excites you and consumes you enough that as an entrepreneur, you don't give in to any of your shiny object syndrome uh, opportunities, right, that, that come to everyone yeah. and say no yeah. and change into your brand. But you're also, every single day, building wealth in that brand that brand is getting more and more valuable so that at the end of the the period where you're done with your brand when you're moving on for whatever reason you want to move on you want to hand it over to someone else you've then got something that's incredibly valuable that you can sell and then you can leverage that money however you want to do it right you could you could go right back into it with a new brand you can take some time off to do whatever you want to do um with with that wealth that you have built in that brand and i do believe that nowadays one of the best investments if you back yourself in your own ability one of the best investments you can make with your money is is into business into your own business um and so I, that's how i would summarize those kind of uh yeah. three areas for you yeah thank you it's a very it was very insightful and how about uh software how much experience you have with this and Maybe if you could elaborate more what you did there and also how you see it overall compared to these other two business models. Absolutely. So I've been selling software or building software online for at least 10 years now. Um, we still have an active software company with offices in Budapest in Hungary, where my cool. business is oh. as well as in the UK. So for the longest time, we built software internally. We built software internally to help us with our marketing efforts, uh, to manage our Facebook pages, to uh, we were doing SMS campaigns eight years ago. You know, we, you know, we, we've built software for sort of internal usage. But yeah. around 2016, we was the first time that we launched a public-facing software and we built a software called Trust Message, which was really the first software to monetize Facebook comments. Soon after that, we built Trust Ads, which was a rule-based automation tool for your Facebook ads to make it easier to, to manage your ads. And again, very, very early on in, in, in that space. And then we built a software called TrustReach.com. So Trust, 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 all, all of these um, public softwares. Yeah, very good positioning. Yeah. To give you an idea and experience, you know, we've, we've sold multi-seven figures dollar in dollars worth of um, subscription, right, over that period, just, just in those, those three softwares. So we've done a lot in that space as well. But to compare it, I would say the SaaS space is great. I mean, SaaS, we're long gone are the days where servers cost a lot of money and um, all of the things which uh, people used to hide behind when, when they were charging a premium for, for software. SaaS is a, it's a high profit space, and, but it's a different game. What you're trying to do there is you, you only have to acquire a customer once. It's a game of keeping your customers. And so constantly iterating your software, improving your software, and, and making yeah. your 
software, like constantly liaising with your with your customers to make this to architect the software around what they actually want rather than what you think they want. And and yeah. that's the game, right? It's a game of keeping customers and keeping your churn as low as possible, which is losing customers and um, the 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 flow of new customers coming in as high as possible. It's also a fiercely competitive space because of the profit margins and and because uh, you know there's lots of people that believe they can develop and 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 um, outsource it and and so on and so you you can get competitors pretty quickly. I think with Trust Message. We launched in the September of 2016. I think we had 10, uh, 10 competitors by November, one of which had actually ripped our entire skin, like the whole website and everything. Like, wow. It's a competitive space, but it's a great space as well. Um, we're moving away from the public side of SaaS again, and we're, we're building more um, bespoke AI-powered softwares mm -hmm. that are available, but in a more sort of white glove way with with sort of my inner network, if you like, at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's a great space and yeah. I'm very excited for what's going to come as developers, smart developers start fusing even more, fusing deep learning, machine learning and AI yeah. with software and things that we've, we've utilized forever, but adding in that AI and machine learning element. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, okay, so let's say there is agency, e-commerce and SaaS. And how do you see the growth potential with these businesses? Let's say someone is, you know, uh, someone already um, achieved the seven figure level uh, annually and uh, after, beyond seven figure, what would be the, the growth curve or what can they expect? Um, because the reason why I'm asking, because... Um, I can see people saying that that SaaS has a high growth potential. That's why we have a lot of VC money in SaaS. While uh, agency, you need to hire a lot of people to scale it. E-commerce is probably somewhere in between. What What do you think? Is it uh, Is it like that, or 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 it depends more on your personality, or your team, or your business model? Uh, are they comparable at all, or or not really? So I can't speak too much to agency at that level. That's not something that um, I've got into agency-wise um, to to that level. And that's not the, the business model typically for me. Yeah. But that being said, business is very similar across those three. And what I would say is on the way up to six figures, seven figures, particularly between six figures, seven, seven figures, high five figures maybe, you're really figuring out your product market fit, right? And you're fig yeah. figuring out the message the the and how to speak to customers and how to acquire cold customers profitably or break even right yeah and so typically what you see is around about that high six figure mark low seven figure mark the the brand has figured that out and i would say that's the most expensive period of time is when you're figuring that out as soon as the quicker you can figure that out the 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 quicker you can just do more of what you're doing and scale happens very very quickly it's it's a lot easier to scale something that's working up than figure out for the first time how to make something work. And so I imagine that pattern follows all three. Um, E-commerce isn't going anywhere and as, a, and as an industry has grown massively, not only um, like just in recent years, but over the last year in particular, when so yeah. many companies have forced 
to to move online. So many people are being forced to buy online. It's like it's skipped about 10 years and it's it's e-commerce in 2030 now already. It's been brought forward. So and it has a much larger chunk of the of sales, retail sales. So e-commerce isn't going anywhere and careers and delivery and all of that is improving every day, right? Yeah. We can reach all yeah. the corners of the planet. So I think e-commerce has a massive, massive room to scale. In terms of SaaS, it really depends on the space you're in because you could hit that upwards, that upwards ceiling depending on what you're selling. If you're selling video conferencing tools, great. You could probably sell it to anybody. If you're selling Facebook or WhatsApp, great. You could probably sell it to anyone. If you're selling a specialist tool to help a certain smaller demographic of people, yeah. then you might struggle to to scale up so much, but you will you will enjoy the profits and able and maybe able to pivot slightly and reiterate your software to serve a similar but different kind of people but in a very similar yeah. way so there's scalability in all of them i think the worst thing you could do is go right i've got to seven figures now i'm going to switch now i'm going to switch industries i'm going to start afresh and do something else it's way easier to scale up from uh, within the the market that you've you've studied for so long yeah thanks martin it was um really interesting and actually our agency's is some you know we are around this stage now and uh i started this company a bit more than three years ago and uh i you know i always like seeing other people other industries what they do and um sometimes it feels like the other side is greener um probably many people know this feeling but uh at the end of the day, I always realize that you should focus on your own thing. Or as Gary Vee says, if you look uh, backwards all the time, then your neck uh, will be uh, painful. Or yeah, I think this is how he says this. So yeah, just don't look too much backwards and, and on other people. Just look ahead and just go. Um, yeah, so um, can you tell us more about the Facebook uh, platform? Because you started when facebook pages uh, were valuable and then you know facebook ads uh, emerged and uh, i think today facebook ads are still you know the king of <laughs> if we can say the king of digital marketing um so what what changes um, you could see in the last uh, 14 years regarding facebook as a platform well, let's let's look at it a little bit, um, a little bit wider lens, because, um, like you said, you know, yeah. looking we're going to hurt our neck, right? So let's let's look in terms of the the iteration of the internet and something which I find incredibly interesting about the internet. So, yeah, what we're seeing time and time again is history repeating itself on the internet, right? So um, let me give you an example. The very first websites were text only, then they incorporated images, then they incorporated video, right? The very first social media was text only. Then we got like your Instagrams and your Pinterests and so on, images. And then yeah. we got video, right? And we got YouTube and Vine and, and, and Snapchat and TikTok. Yeah. And so on. We see the internet repeating itself, history repeating itself over and over. So what you get with social media is the early days. In the early days, the, the platform is trying to build users and it's trying to get as many users onto their platform using their platform as possible, okay? So there aren't as many rules. 
So those users come on. They're, they're not trying to monetize those users yet. They don't want it to feel commercial like that. They just want the users to come on and have yeah. a really, really engaging, great time and get very used to using the platform and very habitually, you know, sort of involved, ingrained in it, right? Then at some point, they begin to tighten the rules up a little bit. They tighten up the rules, not much, but you, you start seeing early bannings and blockings and things like that, which is which is new to that particular platform. Then it gets, uh, as, as more people are coming, and then more people and more people coming, it starts getting monetized. Features start going away. It looks like it's being more heavily commercialized. Rules get even tighter ad costs or expenses go up or usability or the or the edge or opportunity that you had uh, using the platform sort of changes and then people start looking for the next best thing the next thing right and the next thing will be going through that same shift we're seeing it on tiktok right now whereby every yeah. user if you put out enough content you're going to find like the all the monkeys on the on the typewriters one of them's eventually going to type type a novel right you're finding these new breed of influencers on tiktok where and and it's amazing for them, right? There's there's no monetization. They've got massive reach. Tons of people are seeing their videos. That's going to change. It's going to follow the same pattern that the other social networks have have done before, right? All all of them have followed this same pattern with the, the throttling, right? Instagram yeah. users complaining about that throttling of the reach. They used to reach lots of people for free. Well, the social network doesn't like that. They didn't get money from that. Now they're reaching less people and kind of need to pay to 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 reach more. You're seeing the same thing you know, on YouTube. And of course, we saw the same thing on Facebook. But when uh, the time when we, I had all of those pages, this was before the the edge rank algorithm, or certainly before the edge rank algorithm was how it is now, right? Now you have massive, massive pages, which if they post something that doesn't really resonate with the first few people within their fan page that it's shown to, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't get, it doesn't really reach anything. Um, but on the flip side, you can have a very small fan page. And if they put something out that is crazy engaging and really really viral facebook will reward that and it will show it to more people so it's kind of leveling the playing field or trying to do that before edge rank every single person as long as they were logged into facebook saw whatever you put on that page which you know if that page was a call to action buy this click this sign up for that or something that that brings you benefit you could do that right you could you could um make large amounts of money or to, or, or rather make large amounts of people take large amounts of action very easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's very interesting that you shared the, the evolution of uh, platforms, I think, uh, and, and channels, communication or, or marketing channels. I think last year I wrote a post about this on Facebook and uh, I started with the radio uh, or even newspaper hundreds of years ago, or I don't know, 200 years, years ago you know that was the first channel and then radio and then tv and then we have the internet we started with um i don't know what was the first social media platform before facebook we had something um <laughs> and then facebook and then youtube and now tiktok and instagram and so on and uh we can definitely see these cycles that there are the early adopters and then mainstream uh, it becomes mainstream there are bans regulations even the government is involved many times um, and then people go to somewhere else because it's just overused it's too promotional it's monetized and and all of that and uh, the other thing is this these cycles uh, they are faster and faster so uh, tv had uh, decades 
like 50 years for 50 years tv was was the big thing facebook for maybe 10 years and uh what i can recently see is actually clubhouse that uh it came in around i don't know i heard about it around november and now it's it's very popular already and it was like a half a year or something like that so and facebook facebook needed years to get popular so it's very interesting um and i would say clubhouse see... you know clubhouse is audio at the moment right how long is yeah, it yeah. a version of clubhouse whether it's on clubhouse or it's a competitor the same sort of process but hanging out in in video format around the subject in a room as opposed to an audio yeah. version yeah, yeah. So, yeah, clearly it's not, you know, it's not for video. Uh, now I'm talking maybe even broader, not just video and visual, but like every communication channels. I also mentioned radio. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can see this trend and it's very interesting. Um, so from the audience, we had one question and feel free to answer it as much as, as you want. So what were your most expensive lessons in the in the business world i mean you you either you, you either fail and you learn or you succeed and you learn a little bit less right um yeah. so so often the most expensive lessons are are still really really great lessons i think i think for me one of the ones which springs to mind on that was the the brand that i launched in 2016 was called ustatement.com we sold personalized leggings and we went to high, like really, really far out levels to get um, the, the manufacturing down. So we had like bespoke leggings that we'd manufactured ourselves to be the, the highest quality. And we and we spent like weeks cold calling various different potential manufacturing partners and printers and so on to find like a, a perfect fit. But then we launched and we launched in, I think it was around about September, um, August, September. And within 90 days, we hit our first million dollars revenue. So we scaled to a million dollars in its first 90 days, right? And I think at that point, a lot of gurus would stop with their story and they'd sort of brush their shoulders and they'd go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. You know, it's come out course. Yeah. Course, okay? Now, uh, my story doesn't end there. Now, th that was amazing, of course. That was that was really good. It was a great lesson in scaling. But what we learned in that time is actually we broke every single system and process that we had in place. And we didn't have that many systems and processes in, in place because, you know, we were launching a company and we were in such the early, early days that, you know, really fine-tuning systems. You kind of have to have some data in the first place to begin to fine-tune. And we were just moving so, so fast every single day that that there was no time for that and that also can, came around the time where shipping uh, the volumes increase anyway it was around q4 and christmas time and so mm -hmm. on and we also got like let down by our postal service that had been delivering items to our customers well within two weeks for two months right like for two months a customer would order today they'd get it well within two weeks and that's a custom printed design that's actually being manufactured bespoke for them and they'd still get it within two weeks yeah. suddenly that went right up and so the most expensive part of this story is the quarter of a million dollars in refunds replacements and things like that that came soon after now we learn a lot right and and part of it was yeah. that actually scaling is expensive and scaling is uh there's a lot of things involved in the back end of scaling that you need to get right otherwise it can pull your business under fortunately for us it didn't pull the business under we we sorted out every single issue and we got past it we learned a tremendous amount and we carried on with that business for another year and a half 
before um, finally exiting and selling it. But uh, probably that's up there. I, I can't think of many other times where I've spent uh, or lost that much money. Maybe maybe holding on to all of my uh, crypto portfolio in 2017. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> probably quite expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. But since then, it's, it's much better with crypto. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think? Uh, because I, I can see so many um, e-commerce guys, especially people with dropshipping experience that uh, they scale to the moon very fast with, with Facebook, especially with Facebook ads. And then, uh, you know, they post the screenshots everywhere. Maybe they start a course as, as you also mentioned, but uh, is it worth to go a bit slower and, uh, you know, think about things twice before you scale to the moon? Because, uh, okay, I get it. Uh, your screenshots are amazing, but your refund rate will be also on the moon uh, if you cannot deliver. Um, so, or, or, let, or let's break things as fast as you can, and then, then you can just adjust. But what would you recommend? So I go back to what I said earlier on in this call, is that your profit comes from the second and third and fourth and fifth time that your, your customer yeah. buys from you, right? And so... You're missing a trick if the, the the first experience they have with your company isn't a positive one. So dropshipping has its place. Now, I'm not a fan, personally. I'm not a fan of dropshipping, um, the, the traditional kind, the the uh, arbitrage with Alibaba or AliExpress yeah, yeah. and the customer waiting six weeks for an envelope with Chinese writing all over it, no sign of their brand anywhere near it coming and arriving on their doorstep with a thud and it's nothing like what they ordered. That, I'm not a fan of that. And I think that's actually very, very damaging for our industry. And because it it creates a generation of skeptical consumers that now now don't trust a single ad, right? Um, Because they've been burnt before. But it's also really, really stupid because you could have tweaked your business model slightly and that customer would come back and and order from you again and again and again, right? 20% of our revenue comes from email marketing with Newbury, 20%, right? We, we leverage a brand called Anbam, okay, who, who are a great email marketing agent. I know them. Um, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. And um, But 20% of our revenue comes from email. Now, of course, that's that's because they do a great job with email. But also, we've done a great job, clearly, at delighting our customers, both when they buy and when they receive the, the product on time, as expected, and it works, right? This is These are really fundamental tick boxes that you must tick. You, you, you then, they come back, right? Then they come back and buy. And really, your email marketing, just reminding them that you're there. That's it, right? You don't have to sell them again. They already love your product. Just reminding them that, that hey, you're still here. Still here. You can buy from us anytime, right? You'd have to do a sale. Yeah. Reminding them, okay? And, and that's, at any any given month, right? We've got twenty percent, twenty percent of our revenue coming from from repeat customers, and thirty percent of our revenue on any given month um, is is repeat customers. Okay, so twenty twenty percent of our revenue overall is email, thirty percent on the month to month. Yeah. And what that means is that again, we're building this wealth. It means that every single customer that we acquire will be a customer for a long time to come, right? Which is great, but. 
and it's it's really important to mention this with with um so i know we're, we're sort of graduating away from drop shipping uh there's a place for drop shipping if you could drop ship in your local um area and and you can still surprise and delight the customer and someone else is manufacturing your product but when the customer receives it promptly it's great and it's got your brand on it and they delighted and whatever fantastic that's that's amazing you've cut your manufacturing costs out well done you that's that's superb so drop shipping is a broad space so i'm i'm hating on the more of the 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 six week delay crappy product one but yeah. i'd be remiss if i wasn't speaking about really what motivates us at, at nubra and what should motivate any e-commerce brand owner and this is really a big important part of being a brand and it's a really big asset if you can get it right at Newbury, we don't talk in terms of money, right? We don't talk in terms of revenue. We don't talk in terms of revenue internally with our team. We don't talk about revenue um, with customers. We instead talk about meals fortified. And this is why. When we launched, in fact, for the two years before launching, as part of the planning for, for this launch of Newbury, we really looked at, right, how can we, as a result of us being on the planet, my, my, uh, camera's gone a bit blurry but we'll get through it um yeah, it's good. Yeah. how can we as a result of us being on the planet leave mm -hmm. the world in a better place than when we found it and i call this being an enlightened entrepreneur right and i talk about it uh, in my book hell I, I teach you how to be an enlightened entrepreneur in my book now an enlightened entrepreneur absolutely has a responsibility to to build wealth influence um, you know, success, whatever it was, and uh, whatever it is that, that excites you. And, and, you know, by all means, get some of those toys, the Lambos and whatever that you, that you like as well as a, as a well done for, for getting that. Absolutely. But you also have a responsibility to leverage that influence, wealth, whatever it is that you've built to make the world, the world a better place. The world should be better and there should be a net positive gain as a result of you being on it and doing what you're doing. OK, so in e-commerce is a really easy way to do that. That's to bake in some kind of charitable element, some kind of give back element. And yeah. by the way, there's a whole generation from millennials downwards who are actively looking for this anyway. So in Nubru, the charitable partner that we decided to work with and we went to great lengths to speak with the owner and make sure that, you know, it's a two way partnership and so on was a, a charity called Sanku or Project Healthy Children. And what they do is they add micronutrients into the, the raw foods that the two billion malnourished people on this planet, two billion, eat, right? So they're adding in the micronutrients that they otherwise wouldn't get, the micronutrients um, that enable um, them to survive something really, really uh, fundamental like diarrhea getting diarrhea yeah. i would take a pill hydrate and we'll be fine it could be life-threatening to them and so what we do with every single purchase at new brew is for every single purchase we fortify the meals of a malnourished child for at least a year and it's at least one child for at least a year with every single purchase and so we've baked it back to the number of meals and so what we do is we talk in terms of meals fortified and we've set a very very public goal of fortifying 1 billion meals by 2025 and we've done 10 million so far wow so every purchase is one uh, it helps uh, one malnourished uh, person or child at least malnourished child it fortifies their meals for at least a year so at least one year yeah, at least for a year yeah. Every yeah. yeah in which countries if i can ask what do you mean so um uh, you know 
you you support these children in in one country or 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 in multiple countries how how does it work sure. in practice so, so the charity does the does the fortifying we're, we're not putting any um any nutrients into food directly we're we're supporting the charity that does it but that charity ah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. africa asia south america um yeah. i mean there it really is a worldwide problem but obviously in the more developed countries less so because the those micronutrients yeah. are just in our raw foods you buy cereal look at the packet yeah. it will have iodine b vitamins thiamine it will have all of the yeah. nutrients already just in there you can't avoid them yeah I, i i totally agree that uh you know successful entrepreneurs and even not as successful they should uh, support uh, some social uh cause or or something uh, and it's Yeah. Do you know, I, I, I don't want it to just seem like a, like a one-way high horsey type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you introduce a charity and you stand behind something you believe in, customers mm-hmm. get behind that. You find your conversion rates go up because they're, they're like, wow, you're doing a great thing. You find yeah. that perhaps when something goes wrong, as it naturally will do, where you get a bad batch or your shipping's delayed or something, your customers might be a little bit more forgiving. Um, you find that maybe they might spend a little bit more because how much they spend is directly tied to how much good happens as a result. So they might feel a little bit more generous. So there's a lot of reasons that are actually beneficial to you, the business owner, for doing it, right? Like if, if you don't, if that's not enough, like just generally doing good in the world isn't enough, then yeah. there's actual positive gain to be had for you as well as a result of doing this. Yeah, and uh, as you also said, uh, millennials, they are... M- even more aware of these kind of things it it becomes uh it becomes almost like a must for for them nowadays and uh also um we almost work together with a brand uh who so the the manufacturer is in mexico and they sell products in the us and i think they sell uh collars for dogs and you know all of these dog uh, accessories and uh, these are manufactured by old women old ladies in mexico and this is how uh this business supports their family basically so nowadays i can see a lot of creative ways of doing it not just financially support the charity but maybe the manufacturer they are in a poor country or in in you know in other ways they uh, try to help uh, poor people and actually uh yeah Well, actually, I was just going to say, add to that. So we've had some um, remarkably um, enlightened entrepreneurs on the Smarter Destiny podcast, my podcast. And one that stands to um, like stands to the forefront of my mind is actually a company called Tanzania Tea Company. And um, they do something similar whereby they actually employ the farmers that are growing the leaves. They employ the factory workers. And um, in that area, women aren't as well employed as men. And so they ensure that it's more female um, factory workers in there um and then they have a charitable element when they sell it and so they're actually leveraging their business to really boost the whole economy in tanzania where where they're based and it's 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 a phenomenal way of of leveraging uh e-commerce and and the internet to 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 do good and um you know and, and succeed and and i guarantee if you haven't given it thought before Mm-hmm. you'll make when you make a load of money you'll start unless you've got something that's more legacy based 
or or something much bigger than you and just making money, you won't feel satisfied. You won't feel whole. Yeah. You'll feel like something's missing. And and so if you start thinking now in terms of how do I want to be remembered? What would I like written on my gravestone? Would you like it? Um, you know, here lies Steve. He had three Lamborghinis. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. would you like here lies here lies Steve. He helped a million people. And yeah, and exactly. you know, if if that's how you want to be remembered, start. That's your north star. Start making changes now to aim for how you want to be remembered. Yeah, probably nobody wants to have a Shopify screenshot on their graveyard. Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. probably someone out there, but uh, I think most people uh, probably in the bigger picture of life wouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also we have some uh, team members from poor countries. We have our CRO experts from Kenya. We have two pe people from Nigeria. And uh, I'm always happy to see these people from, uh, you know, not as developed countries. Um, recently, we found really good employees from Africa and... Uh, I think it's super uh, underestimated, you know. Uh, most people focus on developed countries, but actually there is great talent there and in Asia. So, yeah, highly, highly recommend it. Um, please tell us more about your book. So what was your motivation to write the book and, and what is it about? I know the 1% secret and, and uh, how to be an enlightened entrepreneur, but please share more, uh, more about the book. Absolutely. So, so the book, as you as you um, quite rightly mentioned, is called One Percent Secret: How to Scale Your E-Commerce Business from Six Figures to Seven and Beyond. There's a, mm -hmm. a, a foreword from Kevin Harrington there on the back, and a ton of testimonials from uh, very uh, well-known people in our industry. So, basically, the book. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe in selling like information. Uh, typically, I, I believe information is free, and the internet is gravitating towards making information free anyway. But. Yeah. Um, no, but <laughs> I want to help uh, entrepreneurs out there succeed. Okay. And, and the reason that our mission statement with Smarter Destiny, with the podcast, with the book is building an army of enlightened entrepreneurs is because I on my own with my businesses can do a certain amount of good in the world. If I empower and enable and educate thousands of uh, entrepreneurs to do the same, the impact of that whole army is far greater. All right. And so that's the, that's the bigger mission. So 1% Secret is my very best work. There's 50 chapters in here and each each chapter is focused on an area of your business or life and shows you how to make a, an improvement in that area by way more than than 1%. But the target's 1%. And the reason I went for 1% is because the compound effect of 1% incremental gains is actually huge. Now, if you go to 1percentsecret.com, which is where you can get a copy of this book for free, all I ask is you kick in seven bucks for shipping, which by the way, in most places, I lose money to ship it to for that, but that's fine, right? I, it's absolutely fine. You can you can get a copy of the book and um, hopefully, right, you'll, you'll use that to make the world a better place. And so I can sweat a couple of bucks lost, right, if, if you're going to do that. But on the on the website, if you do nothing else, I'd go to the website and watch the video at the top, right? And, and I demonstrate in that video how when you improve just four steps, four stages in a typical e-commerce journey, right? Clicking ads, going to your website, adding something to cart, buying something, repeat purchase, something like that, right? Four steps. I demonstrate how by improving each one of those steps by just 1%, your revenue increases four 
100%. That's the compound effect of 1% incre incremental gains. It's not four 1% gains equals a 4% improvement, right? The compounding yeah. effect yeah, yeah. is absolutely huge. And so the book has 50 chapters. The idea is that you, you take each chapter, you focus on that area of your business or your life for a week, and you, you, you implement the actionable teachings of that chapter in that area of your business, right? And you'll improve that area of your business with that focus, that intent focus on that area, you'll improve it by far more than just 1%, right? You do that with 50 chapters, there's roughly 50 weeks in a year, focus on a different area of your business and your business will have boomed way more, way more than, than you know, 1% or whatever, right? The compound yeah. effect of 50, 1% incremental gains is absolutely game changing. And that's how you scale like anything, right? That's how you scale your fitness. That's how you scale your love. You're, that's how you scale your business. That's how you scale your money. It's, that's how you do it is 1%, yeah. lots and lots of great decisions and the compound effect of all of those combined. Hmm. And does it focus on business or, or, or uh, productivity or, or both? Uh, if yes, then what is the distribution? Where do you see the main thing if there is any? Um, so yeah. the, the main focus, if we can 80-20, the main focus in terms of content is e-commerce, 80% e-commerce, 20% the other stuff. That being said, the 20%, the focus on the other stuff may well give you 80% of the impact in your life. Why? Because there is no substituting, for example, a great night's sleep. There's no substituting sharpening your axe a little bit longer so that when you yeah. sprint in a direction right? I'm jumping analogies here, but when you sprint in a direction, you're sprinting closer to where you want to go rather than sprinting very, very fast in a completely the wrong direction, right? Because you haven't sat down and planned. There's no substitution for um, having a little bit more focus in the day. So I absolutely talk about nootropics in there. And that's why I started a nootropic company, by the way, because I love that particular space. There's no, cons um, there's no substitution for for exercise, for nutrition, for diet, for motivation, for um, getting your work-life balance and making sure everything's uh, great at home with the family, because that will definitely spill over to your business if it's not. There's so many yeah. things there which is which is important to your business that actually isn't your business. And so I would say 80% the focus is on e-commerce, selling physical products online. 20% is the other stuff, but that other stuff is often the secret. Yeah, I think productivity is huge and and your back you know your background in your life if uh, anyone follows sam owens uh, or my friend kilian you were also in his podcast uh, they are experts in these areas and i think these are the basics to build anything in life not just business but if you want to become an athlete or i don't know a professional dancer or, or anything you 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 have to really nail uh, productivity and actually in our agency, in our team, we have a kind of uh, course uh, for productivity. Just yesterday, one of our team members asked me if we have anything on this and I shared everything uh, with this new team member. So we want everyone to be productive uh, on a personal level. And once it's settled, then on the top of that, the business can be built with productive people and and. Uh, you as a business owner, you can focus on, on building the business, making the organization effective as well. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, I know you are huge in uh, nootropics. Um, I'm not the most, uh, you know, knowledgeable people in this uh, area. 
I should uh, I should uh, dive into it more. But I'm really curious what what would be the main things that you would recommend to let's say someone like me who who's just you know starting out with this topic. Where should I start? Um, if I'm Unfortunately, someone that's looking to start in the world of nootropics has the jump start that I didn't have when I when I started with it 10 years ago, because you could literally go out and you can buy Newbrew, which is the 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 grand effect of 10 years of nootropics research, medical doctors on our board of advisors, neuroscientists, and all of the rest of it. We've we've done the hard work for you. But nootropics as a general, nootropics is really a, a very, very broad space and it describes any kind of substance yeah. that has an effect on your brain right and so in that respect you could it covers coffee and cocaine and both of those are nootropics yeah. by definition right um what we've done is we now i love nootropics nootropics is something that um i've utilized as i said for 10 years and and different nootropics out there might aid with motivation memory recall creativity focus right there's there's lots of different things that your brain does now a lot of them, there's some which are, are very, very mild, some which are stronger. And often what you find is the strongest ones, um, you know, is, once you find the strong ones that are also safe, that's great. Yeah. But what goes up must come down. And what you find is you might take, uh, say, modafinil, which I think is a great nootropic um, on day one. And then you you crush day one, but then day two, you're not really productive you don't sleep very well that night and you kind of undo all of the gains that you had the day before by basically not being yeah. so good today the second day now what we wanted to do at new is we wanted to create a nootropic that's a daily nootropic that doesn't like most of the nootropics on the market have caffeine in it right so there's there's like our pro product has caffeine but our our flagship hero product the one we sold most of advantage doesn't and that's deliberate we wanted to create a nootropic that gives you a a a happy um, happy increase to your brain, right? So that, that your your day is a little bit easier. Your to-do list um, ticks itself off a little bit quicker. You feel focused. You feel in the zone. Background noise is a little bit quieter. But at the end of the day, you still have energy. You're still able to uh, spend some time with your family or doing the hobbies or whatever it is you love. And then you sleep well at night and you can start again. Right. That's that's what we designed Advantage to be. And so Advantage has 11, I believe, 11 active clinically studied ingredients in mm -hmm. there. None of them are particularly remarkable in their own right, but it's the synergy. Again, it's the compound effect of all of these together. It's having the exact right doses. And more importantly, it's served in liquid form, which is way more efficient than pills where Typically, we only about absorb about 50% when we take pills because, you know, it's in a capsule. That capsule can't get absorbed until it's broken down. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff, right? We don't absorb as much when it's pills or capsules. It's delivered in a delicious strawberry lemonade liquid format. So it's it's a pleasure to take. You can swap out and just have a normal drink like this, and, it, and it's, it's a nice pink drink. Yeah. And, um, you know, it... it ticks the boxes, shall we say. We've now, as I said at the beginning of the call, we've got thousands of customers across something like 68 different countries. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're by, based on the testimonials and the feedback and the customer interviews we're doing, we're really changing worlds out there across all kinds of spaces from athletes to actors to neuroscientists to doctors to students to um, older, older people looking to hold on to their memories as they play with their grandchildren uh, through to professional sports and businessmen and every, ultimately anybody with a brain can benefit from yeah. it. 
it's good to hear that you have a, such a wide audience. So not just entrepreneurs, businessmen, but all of these, uh, you know, people from these professions. That's that's great to hear. And I think if it's uh, drinkable, as uh, you know, with these flavors, it's just much better than pills. I take a few pills, mostly some vitamins, fish oil, and these things, and it feels like I'm taking some uh, medicine. Uh, enjoys no one enjoys taking pills and if you get if people see you taking it rather than actually just try to you know trying to be healthy and um yeah. yeah it's not a fun experience although the the fish oil yeah i would always take that in pill form because no one wants to be drinking yeah. that <laughs> exactly once i i drank it and it wasn't a good experience yeah and uh i'm really against caffeine as well caffeine as well um I have it has I always really well. Advantage synergistically works really well with caffeine. We just wanted mm -hmm. to give our users the option to add caffeine themselves um, yeah. rather than creating something which is akin to an energy drink, which just has a high dose of caffeine, really nothing else. You go up, you have jitters, and then you come crashing down and you're exhausted. We didn't want that. Um, so yeah. we didn't need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Um yeah, so thank you, Martin. I, we are close to one hour and uh, we really talked about a lot of topics. Thanks for sharing all of these. So one more thing, if anyone wants to find your brands and, and you and your book, where they can uh, find these things? Absolutely. So I'd say Smarter Destiny Podcast is is where I'm really focused in terms of putting out the content nowadays. And we've had over 120 amazing guests on there, some some phenomenally successful seven, eight and nine figure um, brand founders on there. Uh, if you want to reach me, I would say LinkedIn nowadays is the best way to, to reach me. Uh, just search me by name. I'm sure I will come up. The book can be found at 1% Secret, all spelled out, except for the number one, I think, dot um, com. Uh, or just you know my name plus one percent secret and you'll 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 end up on the on the website I'm sure and then newbrew n o o b r u dot com is where you want to go to check out um, the, the the products here and get yourself some newbrew advantage. I will check it out for sure <laughs> after after all of these. Uh, yeah, thank you, Martin, again, and thanks for uh, everyone. Uh, thank you, everyone who who listened uh, to this podcast today. Uh, every Thursday, we are coming out with a new episode. Every Monday, we have a live stream on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, thanks again and stay tuned. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.